0: we have a site where there's a website called nextdoor <clears throat> and basically what it does it's like it you log in there you you sign up for it, you log in and you it goes by your like your address and your zip code and everything and it's almost like a neighborhood message board like just you know so i can only see things in my area right you know i could if you were on it let's say i wouldn't see anything you're doing cuz you are way out of my area So people go on there like, Hey, you lost my dog, help me find it. Um I found some you know, I found it, or we're having a yard sale, blah blah blah. My wife told me about this just now, like ten minutes ago. These are the pictures the guy put up. He's selling comics. He
1: wants twenty grand. Twenty grand? These these are these are books you find (laughs) mostly in the quarter bin.
0: That's why I was like, Oh my god, like this is perfect timing. I'm like, I gotta show you this is what he's these are the pictures he gives. I mean
1: uh, There's books that I'm seeing here that are in the long boxes I'm getting rid of. Yeah. He said
0: it's mostly Marvel, pretty much all Marvel from 86 to like 2010. (laughs) Oh, God. My favorite is the part where I see the stack of X-Men, the manga. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh, boy. That's quarter bin stuff. Yeah. I mean, if he was saying he wanted... $200, $200 I probably yes. I probably still wouldn't spend it but but I'd say okay I can understand it The only thing we're thinking
0: is maybe he has 20,000 comics and he's hoping for a buck each even
1: that's unreasonable Back to the bin Hello everybody and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro and today both Bill and Scott are on assignment. So I had to reach out and see who I could get and I randomly found my friend Al Sedano. Welcome aboard Al. Where am I? What's going on here? Actually, I, get here. <laughs> I you know we, we talked before we started recording that it, this isn't nearly as random as I want to make it sound, because we kind of have a routine going here that we invite Al to come on to do an episode. We don't record the episode that we talk about because circumstances prevent us from doing it, so we do something else, and then in the meanwhile, we record the episode that we talked about recording, and then that ends up through the magic of podcasting time travel, being posted before the episode that we recorded earlier. Does that make sense?
0: Everybody got that?
1: So no, Explain it to me. <laughs> so what happened was we were planning to do a score episode for the Infinity War, and we were going to do it about Thanos. And I thought, who better to invite to come along but somebody who does a podcast about Thanos, thereby Al. That'd be me. So we invited him on to do this. And Bill and Scott both ended up busy and we decided to hold off on doing the Thanos episode. But Al and I were sitting here saying, hey, I still want to record. <laughs> so we decided to record. Yeah. And there you go. So we're going to get you two two random books out for you. So we were talking a little bit, as I said, before we started to record. And uh, just uh, what do you, what have you been buying, reading, looking for in comics lately, Al? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, recently
0: looking, uh, buying stuff, I actually started buying new comics again. Some. Um, Because I've had way, way too many. I recently, a couple years ago, kind of went mostly digital. But my deal with my wife was I'm only, I'm like, look, I'm still gonna buy comics, but I'm only buying stuff for my show. For the most part, that really meant old books. But now there's not only a Thanos series, although that's apparently ending, but they have that Infinity Countdown story with, with the return of Adam Warlock. So I actually have a pull list at the local comic store.
1: Wow, it's been years since I had a pull list. Yeah,
0: I mean it's just those books, but still, you know. So every couple week, every week, two weeks, whatever, I have something waiting for me at the store. It's kind of exciting and fun. Plus, this store is brand new. It just opened up in the last couple months. It's like right. Um, it's like ten minutes from my house, so I actually have a convenience store with people owners I like there. I like talking to them.
1: And how do you when you go and pick up your books? How do you go about sneaking them into the house without your wife seeing?
0: <laughs> oh, she knows. But <laughs> she's not paying attention.
1: <laughs> you do the thing where it's like behind your back, and then you flip it to yourself in the other hand when she's not looking. <laughs>
0: No, thankfully, it's not like when I was 12 years old and my mom's like, You're not buying more comics, are you? And I have them like zipped up in my jacket. It's like, No, of course not.
1: <laughs> I'm not buying them. <laughs> I bought them already.
0: Yeah, these are bought already. These are purchased. By time, If I was buying these now, that'd be robbery.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah. She knows I'm buying some stuff, but you know, it's one or two at a time. It's yeah, not like which, which isn't too stack.
1: crazy. And the, the problem with one or two at a time, you know, in the current market is. One two takes you about fifteen minutes to read, and then it's like, okay, now I got to wait another week.
0: Yeah, that is the downside. But we'll see what happens once this Infinity Crusade, uh, not Crusade <laughs> Infinity Countdown story ends. Although Marvel just announced something called uh, Infinity Wars. You throw an S at the end of it; it's a whole new title. Exactly. So we'll see. I haven't com- I haven't committed to that yet.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, well. You know, when they, when they start publishing stuff that falls into your wheelhouse, it's sometimes hard to resist.
0: Yeah, and, and even I o- though you're like, ah, oh, this is just a cash grab.
1: I always say, you know, none of us are former comic collectors. We're recovering comic collectors, and we fall back on the wagon every once, or off the wagon every once in a while. What did
0: Mike Bailey call it once? Uh, a crippling addiction that I will never recover from. Which is,
1: unfortunately, pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah I mean, but I've pretty much killed any desire in me to have newer books doesn't mean I don't have the desire to occasionally read a newer story but I'll take things out of the library I'll get things in in trade I'll get it in whatever format I can and even then it's only if it gets a lot of buzz I'm really you know I'd I'd much rather if you know I, I have limited comic reading time available to me and I'd rather spend it reading older books that I enjoy more. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I don't have the time I did when I was 12. I mean, that's one of the problems with my collection of comics. When I was 12, I could read the same book five times. I had the time to do that. I like this run. I'm going to read this run of 100 books over again, just because I want to. I
1: don't have the time well, for that now. It's, it's And if if you want to make time for that, you have to eliminate something else, which means for me – new books. I will occasionally pick an old run of, you know, the Avengers or Spider-Man or Fantastic Four or, you know, whatever. But I couldn't do that and read the new stuff that's coming out. Just not oh, enough yeah. time in the day, you know?
0: You mean like not, like on a regular basis, like, you know, all those series as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why the way I'm doing it, at least for now, that works because it's only one or two, you know, it's only like one or two a, a week at the most.
1: Right. Yeah, like I said, you know, 15-20 minutes you read those one or two.
0: And then yeah. if there's
1: something else you want to read as long as you have, you know, as long as you have a little free time, you can. Exactly. But yeah, it's ugh. And then you tack tack onto that the time you spend recording podcasts, the time you spend editing podcasts, and the books you're reading for the
0: podcasts.
1: Yes, the homework for the podcast, which for me entails reading comics, watching Star Trek and watching movies, which Believe me, I would never complain about any of those three activities. It's three of my favorite things, yeah, but that's not really a bad way to go. But it does take up a decent amount of my to- my my expendable time. You gotta do more podcasts on short things, like uh, the Firefly one. You know, yeah, that that was. There is a sense of accomplishment to setting out to do something, doing it, and being done, and having it be complete. I, I yeah, have to say, like, it, I did this.
0: It's over. That's the only
1: one I did. That you know, that that it, you know, it's complete. Of course, I haven't pod faded on anything either yet. I've you know, the three three the three that I do are the only three I was ever you know a, a total regular on. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, and you know, that one didn't fade; it ended. Yeah, exactly. That's different. But yeah, that takes a lot of time too. It's like, do I want to stop podcasting about stuff so I can read these other ones? It's like. No, because I like talking about the comics as much, and my wife doesn't always want to hear about it. And the dog <laughs> really doesn't resp- – the dogs will listen to everything, but really I don't get much out of him. just doesn't give you much feedback, right? No, no, he's not really a great conversationalist. He's a good listener. Yeah, my dog doesn't even listen that good.
1: She, well, she, I mean, she, I don't she, know how much she, he listens. He's old. He's getting deaf, so <laughs> I don't know how much he actually hears. She she'd she'd much my dog would much rather eat the comic book than read it. Come home and find it in tiny pieces.
0: Yeah, either that or my dog might think it's the
1: pad for him to pee on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, what books are we covering here today, Al? So we have a uh, well, both from the seventies. Yeah, who's older? Because I guess. Um, uh, well, I, it'd be hard so, brain... actually mine. Mine is older. But yours is the Marvel, and traditionally we do the Marvel first or the older first. So we can go either way, and you as the guest, I will give the choice. Ah, what the heck, we'll do the Marvel. All right, so that's that you then. Yep, that's
0: me. And yeah, I was going to say it would be hard to, for this to be older than anything because the cover date of this one is December
1: 1979. If they're both in the 70s, yeah. <laughs> You're at the end.
0: Yeah. According to what I saw on Mike's Amazing World Comics, it came out September 25th, 75, 79. And we are talking about Star Wars number 30. Yes, the
1: original Star Wars run. So this is, well, yeah, this would be before Empire Strikes Back. Yes, yeah, so we're still in the run here where they're trying to come up with original ideas, but not able to really do a lot of different things. Exactly.
0: It's like you can't I remember reading something from Roy Thomas, it's like you can't do too much with Vader really, and you can't have them meet, although they do meet at some point. And we're not sure if we're gonna be using Han Solo and Chewbacca in the next movie, so Limit that and blah blah
1: blah. Basically just use the title Star Wars, but don't do anything else. Yeah. (laughs) So although some of the issues are still pretty fun.
0: This one's a little weird. (laughs) <laughs> this one's called A Princess Alone, uh, written and edited by Archie Goodwin, art by Carmine Infantino and Gene Day, lettered by Joe Rosen, colored by Petra Goldberg. This is in the Jim Shooter era of Marvel, so he's you know, the big boss. And uh, the one nice thing about this issue, it's going to be pretty easy to synopsize. Princess Leia uh, goes to the planet Metalorn, which is a complete Imperial-run planet. To find a former teacher of hers to basically sow the seeds of rebellion on that planet, and while there, she encounters Baron Tag, who is the brother of General Tag from the first Star Wars movie. He's the one that Vader force chokes in that uh, meeting in the beginning on the Death Star when they're talking about uh, this. This station is now the ultimate power of the universe. Right. You know, that's his brother. And uh, basically, Baron Tag almost catches her, but she escapes. The end. I mean, I was reading this going, wow, this is going to be really easy to synopsize. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, stuff happens, but that's basically the plot of the issue. Yeah, pretty much.
1: Uh, I don't know about you, (laughs) but for me, I found this a little bit of a slog to get through, not because the story was bad. I thought the story was okay. But I really... Didn't care for the artwork at all. I, I just... I, I'll get a little bit more into it, but I really didn't like the artwork. How, how is it, you, had you read this one before, is this the first time?
0: Actually, I have read this before. I'm doing a reread of Star Wars, and I'm up to the... I'm right now in the middle of Empire Strikes Back, so it's like issue 40 or 41. Okay, so we just reached
1: back a little bit in your... Uh, yeah, I read, read this through. several weeks ago. What, what, I mean, what was your impression of it?
0: Uh, well, it's definitely an entertaining enough story, although it did kind of feel a bit pointless. I mean, I understand the the premise of, you know, we're sowing hope, but realistically in this battle, they really did, I mean, in the rebellion, it didn't feel like they really got much done here.
1: Yeah, but I think that goes to what we were talking about just just a few minutes ago with the, uh, the fact that they had limited ability to vary off of the... Uh, you know, off off of the plot and change anything. They had to be very, very careful that they weren't changing anything in the status quo for any of the, any of these characters. Oh yeah, which is why Princess Leia still,
0: although she's actually wearing a different outfit, because in most of these issues she still is wearing the same outfit from the first movie. She still has the you know the buns in her hair. Mm-hmm. Because they still make them look pretty much the same way they did in the issues. But that's also why they create other characters like this Baron Tag because they need villains they can fight and do things with. Because I think the I remember hearing is that like they were told they can't really use
1: Vader or at least have Vader interact. Right. Yeah. So Cause there's only so many
0: times either,
1: either they weren't sure where they were going to go with Vader or they did know. And they just wanted to make sure that, you know, they didn't let it out and didn't let anybody do anything that was going to contradict what they were going to do.
0: Exactly. You can't, you know, they want to ruin stuff. If they have Vader and Luke fight 20 times and all of a sudden you know, you have Empire Strikes Back comes out, I'm your father. It's like,
1: wait, what? Why didn't you tell me that 18 times ago?
0: You know, we fought 20 times. You know, we had that whole issue. We were manacled together,
1: you know. You couldn't have said it then. You know, we we did, we recorded, before uh, The Last Jedi came out, we recorded a Star Wars score episode. Uh, Matt Hunsworth came on with me, Scott, and Bill. And we recorded two-thirds of the episode. We had three books to cover. We We recorded the first two. And we needed to quit quit for some reason, and we were going to get back and do the third issue, uh, which we never did. And then then I was going to take the footage or the you know the the uh, recording of the first two issues and just make an episode out of that. Uh, and then there was some sort of problem with the recording, and I wasn't able to do it. And we're still trying to see if we can. Come up with a salvageable copy of that. So there, there may be an episode coming, you know, on a great delay, a Star Wars score episode. But we covered an old Marvel issue in that. And what I, one of the comments I had was a lot of the artwork looks to me like they took uh, panels from the newspaper comic strip and then just added color to them and made them fit in the comic book. And I think it was Matt who had said there there is some reality to that, that they did do that at times. Not necessarily just cutting them straight from the uh the, the comic panels, but that they had taken stuff from there in some ways. And I'm seeing the same kind of thing here. Some of the artwork doesn't look quite right. Like it almost looks like it would look more normal if it didn't have the color in it. Hmm. I'm looking through that
0: night like now and yeah but I definitely see a i mean there's definitely a lot of, some things that i i could see what you're saying so it's possible
1: and i i do not know for a fact if that's the case here or not but it's just it, it's definitely the impression i walk away with and i see some some of the drawings i think look fine i'm not going to say really solid but if like if you go to page 5 i'm looking at the middle of that page the what would be the third panel you have kind of a, a, a medium close up on Leia's face. Okay. And I I feel like you know that looks fine. She looks good. You know, there's, there's no problem there. But then I I look at other panels. Like if you go to page seven, at that bottom panel, her her anatomy looks like totally screwy. She's she's at a position where you'd just fall over if you tried to run that way. Oh um, yeah. You know, or, or, you know, there's so many things like, the you know, you get to the, the second page of the book. The stormtrooper's head looks way too small to me. Uh, the the page, the panel directly above that, Leia's waist is probably like about oh. 16 inch waist.
0: I was That was the first thing I noticed, I thought about when I was reading this. I was like, wow, like you can't say that they started doing that in the 90s.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, some of it's terrible. And some of it looks fine. Like mostly the close ups of her face look fine to me. But once they they pull a long shot on her, I think she, it looks terrible. Yeah, the body gets a little wonky. I, I think some just some of his anatomy in general is just bad.
0: Yeah, and the design for Baron Tag is always—I never thought was really good. You don't, you don't dig the uh,
1: the Monel ripoff costume. <laughs> the, uh, is that like supposed to be the, a traditional lightsaber he has, or is that a flaming sword of some sort?
0: I believe it's a lightsaber. I'm trying to remember, but I believe he did kill a Jedi. Claims he killed a Jedi and took his lightsaber. And then, what's with those glasses? Uh, he was a he was he can't see without them. He was blinded in some kind of confrontation with Vader. So he's like he's like a Jordy from Next Generation. Okay. Except you know he is cool looking. You know, he doesn't have that little visor. He is like you know. mm Hmm. It, it kind of looks like something that you would see in, like, an 80s uh, movie where, like, one of the, you know, you have a gang of, uh, quote-unquote, punks. Yeah. One of them would be wearing those glasses. Yeah. Basically, he took the, he, Cobra killed somebody. And when I say Cobra, I don't mean Cobra Commander or even Cobra from DC. I'm talking about Stallone Cobra. Oh, okay. So that's one of the guy he took the glasses of one of the guys Cobra killed. <laughs> I can almost guarantee you that those glasses are probably in that movie. If not that movie, then Class of 1984.
1: <laughs> Boy, that's a movie I haven't thought of in a long time, and I won't think of again for a long time either. Well, <laughs> I saw that so many times on – because, you know, I grew up in the same area over there on uh,
0: Channel 11, WPX. Right. It was one of those movies they would play on, like, Saturday afternoons or something.
1: Which which would be my movie, Wheelhouse, but just the same, no. Oh, it's not saying It's a good movie, but <laughs> – So the uh... – The very end of it where they have the young girl planting the seeds. Very subtle metaphor there, huh?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. They they pound this hope thing into your head. And I don't know, I kinda I think the hope metaphor they did better, I mean, granted it was thirty years later. They did a little I think they did a bit better at least with the uh,
1: Rogue One. At the very end, yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah. That was that was a scene, and you know, obviously we're, we're diverging from this book a little bit, but I think w- with with good reason, uh, that was a scene where, like, even with the obvious CGI, I, I, it really went well with me. It sat well with me. Whereas there's other times with the obvious CGI that I would be a little bit more offended by it. Oh, you mean like you talking about Tarkin? No, I'm talking about I'm talking about Leia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, mean, thought, I thought the so Tarkin brief. CGI was less obvious, actually.
0: I thought we'd watch it again to see. I remember thinking that, but I mean, thinking it was a little obvious. But then again, I also kept thinking in my head, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead.
1: Yeah, but so. like I said, I, I had the same thought. It's not that I was, you know, ignorant of it. But for whatever reason, he looked more natural to me than the shot of Leia, which is only, what, two seconds long, three seconds long?
0: Hmm. Or maybe the difference is not that so much he's at least for that not that he's because he's dead, but at least that still looked like pretty much how he was right before he died. We still had at that time, you know, recently had Carrie Fisher, and we all knew what Carrie Fisher looked like. Yeah, it could be that. And, and yet you have this now, and you, you're watching a new movie, but 1970s
1: looking Carrie Fisher. It it absolutely could be that. I don't know.
0: Now, I do want to say some things I did like about the book. I did like the interaction with the station commander and Baron Tag mm-hmm. and how he was like this showing how the Empire's problems were going to be. They had like all, I mean, for one thing, he had this uh, basically, people were living on this planet. And it was a complete factory planet, and they had them all set up like, okay, you your group goes to work and then you go to sleep and you have one day next week where you can spend with your family and then back to work, you know, twelve hours a day. And they had the people so brainwashed, you know. And he was so used to running this brainwashing that it was like, once something went wrong, he didn't have any ability to think outside his box.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, he was he was stuck. He was like, okay, follow the blaster. That we had the blaster. You know, she stole a blaster. All the blasters are, you know, chipped. We know where to find them. What do you mean she left the blaster? Uh, more stormtroopers. Well, Baron Tag just was like, okay, I know it's Leia. Le- Le- Let's see, is anyone here? Leia knows. Hey, that's her old teacher. And he just walked right up to where she was. So I did enjoy their little showing, you know, some of the problems of the of the uh, Empire. I mean, having these basically almost like anti-life equation soldiers. Right. You know, where he was at uh, one point, one of them was yelling, go after her. She's an enemy of the Empire. It's like, there are no enemies of the Empire. You tell us constantly there are no enemies.
1: Yeah, I guess it shows you like to some extent that when things go too smoothly, how complacency can set in. Yeah, and the downside, even for you know for these
0: totalitarian governments, the downside of them being like that is that you have these people that you can't, unless you give them these strict written instructions and don't deviate from it ever, you're not going to get anything good out of them.
1: Right. You know, yeah, the rebellion well,
0: has all these free thinkers, so they're able to think outside the box.
1: Yeah, you can't you can't allow these people to think outside the box because they might think of something you don't want them to think of. But
0: then you have the problem, kind of like uh, going with rebe- the theme of rebellion, the American Revolution, wasn't that one of the things that did, I mean, it wasn't the only thing, but one thing that helped was that we were fighting kind of more of a guerrilla one while the British soldiers were still forming up in line. First line kneels down and shoots, reloads, the other line stands and
1: shoots, so they would just be standing there as great targets. Yeah, that's, I mean, at least that's the way I was taught it in grade school.
0: Exactly, same here.
1: I mean, hopefully that's still accurate, but. The concepts you seem sound. Yeah, absolutely. That they they were almost like too regimented.
0: So there was some good stuff in here. It wasn't all horrible. No, it's not the greatest of
1: issues though. But for me, for me, the negative it really always comes back to the artwork. I'm just just not not a fan of this style. I don't think Gene Day really did a good job of inking it doesn't, you know, it looks like he could have cleaned it up a lot and didn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, art-wise, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because was having some trouble, but maybe is because he's trying to draw some real people.
1: Yeah, I think there's always Harry a picture. problem with that. The not wanting to photo reference, but needing to a little bit, and you know, the, you know whether, whether you're going to vary off the actual look, or whether you're going to try and created as much you know as close as possible i think i think whenever you're doing real people there's there's a risk involved with you know no matter what you do somebody's going to be unhappy yeah and unfortunately i'm i'm evidence of that in this one i will say one
0: positive is that they made Leia pretty badass in this issue yeah I'll give you that and too. They showed her i mean she they showed her a bit in the since all we had this time was just to start one movie. they showed a bit with her, but really she only did you know only had a brief window of time to do something because then we got to the when she was rescued, she got to fight a little bit and then she's you know back basically leading the battle from the, the desk, so to speak
1: yeah, I think uh, I'm thinking about it with with the exception fight. of a couple of moments in the first Star Wars, and then like some of the stuff on the uh, the moon of Endor. We never really saw much of a badass Leia in the movies. Oh, well, I will also a bit with the uh, Jabba when she kills him. Yeah, that's okay. I'll give you that. But I, I, always, I always felt she was somewhat underutilized. And I guess the thought is it wasn't about her. It was really Luke's hero's journey, not hers. But, you know, now now that Carrie fisher is gone and, uh, you know, that they, they talk about what they were going to do in Episode 9 or whatever, uh, I just kind of feel like they never really did her justice in these movies.
0: Yeah, not fully. But you're right. It was more they were focusing more on Luke because even a lot of those times, like Empire – her or Han Solo really don't get to do that much fighting and being, you know, stuff. That's more to Luke. You know, they spent a lot of time just on uh, Bespin hanging out and then, you know, captured. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she gets to fight actually even more than he does in that movie.
1: Yeah, actually, yeah. Well, I, I mean, the the, the talk is that Harrison Ford kind of walked through Return of the Jedi.
0: Well, I mean, going going off that real quick onto that, but yeah, I mean. I always heard the things about him wanting to say, you know, kill me at the end of this of Empire. You know, Han should be dead. I mean, the moment that they announced Force Awakens and they said we got Harrison Ford, I'm like, he's dead. <laughs> like, I guarantee you, the only way they got him back was to promise to kill him.
1: Well, it looks it looks to me. I mean, again, we're we're definitely <laughs> we're definitely a uh, tangent but it looks to me like the plan was to kill Han in Episode Seven. Luke in Episode 8 and Leia in Episode 9. And then now when we do the next trilogy, we don't have to worry about them anymore. Exactly. We've we've
0: phased out the old and we now we've made room for the new ones.
1: Well, we will see. I don't know what they're going to do in Episode 9 now. There was that recent uproar where people uh, wanted to get Meryl Streep to be cast as Leia, uh, which I'm not really seeing, but whatever. Yeah, we'll see what
0: they do. You know,
1: I'm I'm willing to wait and see what I see on the screen in another. Is it next year or two years? Um, yeah, I think two years because this one came out cause
0: the yeah, Force Awak- uh, the new one two, just came two out two this year.
1: Between, it was two years between Force Awakens and uh, the other and Last and, Jedi. Uh,
0: yeah, so yeah, would it be this coming year? It would Be next year then? I think. So we will see. Good. Because this year, well, I don't know if they're doing another movie around the holidays. I know they're doing the Solo movie, and that's coming out in the summer. Right.
1: Yeah, I so think I that, maybe that, may be it until, that may be it until the following Christmas. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think they'd do better if they kept that going, if they just had kept it all for Christmas for Christmas time, basically, for them.
1: Yeah, I was a little surprised when I heard that Solo was coming out in the summer. I don't know. I'm not sure what the reasoning was for that. I
0: mean, there's a lot more things to fight you know, other movies to, you know, compete with it at that time. With Star Wars coming out around holidays, they basically were kind of owning it a bit.
1: And, and maybe that's what they, maybe they feel like Star Wars is a powerful enough property that they should, you know, utilize it in the summer and do something else at Christmas time when the competition isn't as fierce. Mm, maybe. We'll see. Yep. Like you said,
0: we'll see what happens. I'm not, I I have to look, I'm not even sure if anything, for all I know, they have a movie coming out in the, Christmas.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly don't know but anyway back to this issue
0: <clears throat> but yeah so like i said i do like the badass lay in here I Me, mean, she's like a command one man one woman commando unit i mean she takes out a bunch of stormtroopers outsmarts this you
1: know whole planet basically now if she is the character that she is and if she's as valuable to the rebellion as she's been do you send her on a mission like this do you risk her for this mm-hmm.
0: i don't I mean, I understand the premise of what she's saying is that she's the only one that can get through that guy. But since I, well, I can see, like I said before, since I see a bit of the hope metaphor they're going for, because they kind of beat you over the head with it a bit. But I don't think it was really worth it to send her. You
1: know, this mission wasn't worth it. Mm Mhm. Yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't seem it. It seems like the, you know, when you look at it from a risk-reward point of view, like that, risking one of their prime people for you know okay we're gonna we're gonna sow some seeds of hope (laughs) you know i don't know it just seems a little a little too uh speculative
0: yeah i mean i i mean at the end she's talking to the ship's captain that's flying her away and she's like this is a place that you know makes all this equipment so you know hey we get some you know they don't have to fight the rebel they could just you know Mess up a little bit, you know, make the uh, on their guns, you know, make the blasters not as powerful, make the sights off a little bit. I'm like, okay, that's nice and all, but still not enough worth your risking the one of the heads of the rebellion. The person who's going to know the most secrets, you know, I mean, the person who knows where the bases are. I mean, they spent like 20 issues or so or even more in this this series basically trying to find a new base because the Empire knows where Yavin is. You know, yeah, the Death Star is gone. Doesn't mean the Empire is not going to come and beat them, you know, beat them down.
1: Yeah, well, that was they something that escaped there. me when when Star Wars first came out and was, you know, I kind of saw it as okay, that's it, they've won. It's like, well, no, <laughs> they won the battle, they didn't win the war.
0: Yeah, they won one hell of a battle. Yeah. By destroying the Death Star, but yeah, eventually the Empire was going to have enough ships to go out there and you know try and flatten them. You know, they had to,
1: they still had to leave that base. The Empire still had greater resources.
0: Yeah. Despite so like, taking really? the Death Star out. Yeah, it's like really you want to send her where she knows everything? It's like no, 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 no. You send that Luke Skywalker kid
1: because he doesn't really know anything nor does he want to. <laughs> well, he he would be a greater candidate for it, I would think. But you know they wanted to do a Leia issue and and that's good because for exactly the reasons I was saying that they didn't really give her the spotlight quite enough anyway. Oh, yeah. Agreed. They just could have found a better excuse, I think. And drawn her body better.
0: Yes. But also, let's be fair, (laughs) this is issue 30. I think it's like 38 or 39 is when the uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, coverage started. So they were probably desperate for anything at this point that they could do. Yeah, true. I mean, at least Empire does give them a lot more stuff to work with. Well, but it
1: also took uh, to- Han totally out of the picture.
0: Well, yeah, there's that. But at least now they gave him a whole the thing. We start this quest of looking for, you know, trying to find out where Han was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, it was kind of funny. Once they get to Return of Jedi, it's like, wait, job of the Hutt's on Tatooine? Really? Like, didn't, it wasn't a, wouldn't that be public knowledge? <laughs> you would think. I mean, they know who owed money to, so... But, anyway, but yeah, I mean, like they added some new characters, you know, you had the, you know, new, new locations, they can go back to Hoth, they can go back to, go to Bespin, you know, they, had, you know, do backstory on Lando Calrissian, I, I you know, backstory on be... Lando and Han. So at least they gave him a little bit more stuff to throw into the series.
1: Yeah, I try to be a little bit more generous to the writers of the series based on the fact that they did have the, you know, they were handcuffed to a great extent by Lucasfilms.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could see that when reading it, as opposed to let's say stuff now where they, they at that very least have the the the, uh, benefit of hindsight. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, what I remember reading the uh, first series of by Dark Horse of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it was taking place. They were trying to do things when the series was still on, and trying to do things in between issues, and you know, it never felt well. I like I bought a lot of it because I was a big (sighs) fan of Buffy. It never felt right to me, as opposed to let's say when I read the newer series that takes place afterwards, where they can do whatever. When they did the uh, other seasons. Yeah, because it doesn't have to fit in with what was done already. You know, you don't have to make sure that everyone is still back where they need to be for the next episode.
1: Well, that—that does. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. That you know. If everything has to be remain status quo, it's harder to do. Well, let's, I, I guess that's part of the formula for success of – I haven't read the whole thing, but the very good reviews that I've heard and what little I did read of the Darth Vader series that came out recently.
0: Oh, yeah, Star Wars Darth Vader. I read the first, like, several issues back when I was working at a play, uh, comic store a couple years ago, but I haven't had a chance to catch up to it then. Since, because I decided I want to read this series first and then the new Marvel one. <laughs> right, and you're gonna you're gonna do all
1: the uh, Dark Horse stuff in between? Because that's a mm, lot. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've read some of the Dark Horse stuff, but I I remember not being too thrilled with it back then. It kind of felt, I don't know, like it was, uh, I'm trying to figure out what the best way to put it. It kind of felt like it was abridged, like they were trying to rush through them
1: sometimes. Mm. I can't say I read too much of it, so I can't really – I can neither confirm nor deny. I probably will go back to them
0: if once I finish this series and do all the current Marvel stuff. If I'm still looking for Star Wars stuff to read, I might go back and read some of them because at least they're all – since Marvel has the rights again, it's all on that Marvel Digital Limited. Hmm. And sometimes the uh, I've noticed reading something that I'm not – I mean, I'm paying for it, obviously, because I pay for the – the service, but something I'm not pay quote unquote paying for. I get a bit more of enjoyment out of than you know spending five bucks on the book.
1: Yeah, no, being able to being paste. able to read it for free when it turns out to be too quick of a read or a slightly disappointing read is more palatable when you're not paying significant money for it. Exactly,
0: it's like oh, okay, that wasn't that bad.
1: All right, you want to rate this one?
0: Ah. Uh, this is definitely, I mean, honestly, with everything we're saying, pro-con, this is just so middle of the road. I'm just going to go straight up C. All, all across the board? Yeah, it's decent enough. I mean, but there's so all the whole, for the writing, it's a decent enough story. They do a nice thing of showing Leia's badass. but with everything we said, if they're trying to find some reason and it, all the reasons why it doesn't work. And like we said, the art goes from like, okay, to eh. So just going to make life easy. Cut direct
1: down the middle. Right. Well, I'm going to land in the same place, but I'm going to get there with some variations because uh, I'm going to break it down and say the cover to me is a straight up C. Uh, catches your eye a little bit, but either it's kind of either you're into it or you're not. If you're not into Star Wars comics, I don't think this one's going to get you to buy it. If you are into Star Wars comics, you're, you're happy to pick this up. So to me, it, it's kind of middle of um, the road C. The story I find to be reasonably entertaining under the circumstances. And like I said, I give them a little bit of slack, knowing that their hands were tied to some extent. And, you know, I think it's good to focus on Leia a little bit and show her to be a competent warrior in her own right, as opposed to just a damsel in distress. And so I'm going to give it a B- minus on the story. Uh, The artwork I find to be... Very difficult to get through. Uh, Like I said, some of the anatomy is just horrible. Some of the positioning of the bodies is terrible. I don't think the inking is very good. And I'm going to say a D minus on the artwork. I'm just really – actually, you know what? I'm going to just give it a straight up D. I'm not going to even go with a minus. Just a D on the artwork. Uh, And overall, I'm going to land at C for the book.
0: All right. I can see that. And I definitely – I'm looking at the cover now because I'm seeing the anchor is different, it uh, looks like it's a.
1: Is that Wycheck? I think Blacker? so. Let me see. Let's see if I could look a little closer on it. No, it's Wycheck. Okay. Yeah, it's the the artwork. The inking on the cover is cleaner than what you get inside.
0: Yeah, I was looking at that. I'm noticing. So I'm wondering how much, what improvements we might have gotten if he was the anchor for Carmine
1: in this one instead of Gene Day yeah i gotta think I'd like it more at least at least her her anatomy looks to be uh normal on the cover yeah uh, it looks more I, realistic I, and I wonder if that's that he cleaned it up because it seems like every picture on the inside he's got this ridiculous waist on her yeah I mean that thing is like a five inch waist it it, it kind of it it's distracting and that's that's a problem with the artwork when it's distracting. Yeah
0: yeah when I was look reading this the first thing I saw as soon as I'm reading this is like that one that panel on the second page.
1: But if you look throughout the book every time they show her torso it it's drawn that way. It's consistently disturbing.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it again a couple of pages later where she's running down the little tunnel with them shooting after her. Mhm. And yeah, Well, I guess you could kind of say technically she is an
1: alien. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not letting you get away with that one. <laughs> Good try.
0: I'm trying to give him a little bit of slack, but yeah, no, that's.
1: Well, I do say the, 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 I did uh, encounter Carmine Infantino before he passed away at a New York Comic Con. Not New York Comic Con. It was the. Uh, uh, I forget which what the name of it was, but it was a Comic Con in Manhattan, and. Uh, Big Apple Con. Yeah, I think it was the big Apple kind, I think you're right. And he I, I just I I interacted with him less myself as much as I just watched him talking to other people. And he really what he really did seem to be a gentleman. So I do want to give him some slack for that. But you know what? When I don't I don't like when I take points off for somebody being a jerk, so I don't want to add points for somebody being a nice guy. It's the artwork yeah. is what the artwork is.
0: And to be fair, Carmine Infantino had a long enough career that there's plenty of books that he did great work on where you don't have to worry about that. There you go. I mean, we have a long enough career like that, not everything is going to be great.
1: Uh, I I feel like I, I generally come come down hard on him. And, and a lot of that is just because I'm not a fan of that particular style. I know uh, it, it's funny because Scott and I have agreed on some of his work that's not on Star Wars. But he he has a a warm spot for his Star Wars work, so he gets a little frustrated when I criticize that. But, you know, it is what it is, I guess.
0: He's not here to say anything, so it
1: doesn't matter. There you go. If he wasn't on assignment, he'd be annoyed at me. Yeah. Anyway, that's Star Wars number 30. And from there, we will move on to my book, which is Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number 218 which has a cover date of July of 1976. The cover has the banner at the top with the red, white, and blue letters saying, DC Comics salutes the Bicentennial. And uh, it's got a picture of the Legion kind of in the background. In front of them is Tyrock kind of waving them off, and he's facing off against the back of a villain, And he's saying, stay back. Your lives depend on me. I can take him alone. And the box says, the secret villain the world never knew. So in this story, let me just make sure I'm looking at everything correctly. It's written by Carrie Bates, and the art is by Mike Grell. And I'll I'll say the great Mike Grell, (laughs) because I, I always enjoy Mike Grell's artwork to some extent. And the story opens up. And it's got a split, you know, the symbolic splash page that kind of gives us something from within the story. And we've uh, the Legion kind of surrounding Tyrock and they're saying, that's him, Tyrock, the deadliest foe we ever faced. He's discovered a way to destroy every Legionnaire except you. You're our only hope now. Take him, Tyrock. Our lives depend on you. So no pressure. No pressure at all. Yeah. From there, we cut back to the uh, Legion Citadel, and there's three guys coming, or three people coming out of it, uh, who were rejected for membership into the uh, into the league. We have infectious lass who can make people sick, and then uh, we have Quake Kid, and I don't recall what the third guy's name is, but it's funny. Absorbency boy. Absorbency boy. Yeah. He's like a human piece of toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> He's, Kid Sharman was taken already.
0: So,
1: <laughs> so it, it's funny because uh, Quake Kid is trying to comfort uh, Infectious Lass and he puts his arm around her and then he feels sick because <laughs> so she forgets to, to hold back on her powers. But while they're all being rejected for the League, Tyrock is actually being accepted in. And then there's a quick flashback talking about how uh, – he originally rejected the League because he felt that they were uh, basically prejudiced against people of color. And they talk about how they're not, and that he eventually came to realize it. Now, Tyrock, who wears a 70s outfit that would make Zardoz jealous.
0: Oh, God, yes.
1: Uh, he, his superpowers are somehow connected to his vocal cords, that he makes some sort of sounds that create different effects. So, there's a sound balloon, you know, that's kind of like a a dog howling, and that helps him to transport among them, where they're ready to welcome him into the Legion, but just as that's happening, uh, somebody comes burning through the wall, and they say it's Zoraz, after all these years he's come back, and he defeats the Legion that are with him, which, uh, who does it include at that point, we have... uh, I'm just trying to even see who we've got. We got Colossal Boy, Light Lass, and uh, Element Lad, and Brainiac Five. And supposedly yep. he's using each of their powers against them. He's making Element Lad choke on an ammonia gas. He's making uh, Brainiac Five have uh, too many thoughts in his brain to, to to function. He makes Colossal Boy grow out of control, and he makes Light Less weightless so that she floats away but he doesn't have any kind of a book on Tyrock. So when Tyrock faces off against him, they're actually able to battle until, uh, Tyrock starts to get the upper hand and he leaves. At which point the other, the members of the, uh, legion who he fought and had defeated are all put into an infirmary because it's going to take them several days to recover. And Superboy and cosmic led tell Tyrock about how, uh, this is somebody they faced before and he had stolen different types of DNA things and that he basically has the secrets to defeat them all, uh, which reminds me of, I think, Prometheus in modern day kind of anyway. Oh, the movie? No, the uh, the character. Isn't that the name yeah. of the character oh, that, that oh, fought oh. The, Le- the Justice League?
2: And he yes, had like a yes. book
1: on each one that he had kind of stolen from Batman um. on, on how to defeat each character.
0: I think you're mixing two things, maybe, but yes, Prometheus was very much like that. He was like the anti-Batman, and he had uh, like ways to defeat almost everybody. Right. And, but I, but I know they. Um, I'm thinking of, maybe I'm wrong, but I know they did a story. There's Mark Wade's first story on JLA after Morrison left uh, Tower of Babel, where Raja Ghul stole basically Batman's plans for defeating. Everybody.
1: Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was that was Raja Ghul. But you're close, but pretty much close with
0: Prometheus in that he was basically like the anti-Batman and the way Batman was done back then where he had like the plan to uh, take out everybody. Right. Okay, so I'm close so, enough. You were still pretty close. You were
1: <laughs> pretty much right on the mark. So back, back to Le- the Legion Citadel, uh, what is it, uh, Dream Girl and Starboy are making out in the hall. Cosmic Lad is, is I guess, on monitor duty with his feet on the console. Awful casual, considering that a supervillain just escaped in their citadel, and I don't know where he is, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> and then while while the two of them are making out, Zardaz comes back. And why am I calling him Zardaz? It's not his name. His name is Zoraz. Zardaz is the other character. Yeah, Sean
0: Connery. Yes.
1: So he, he does the same thing with the two of them. He uses their powers to defeat them. And then meanwhile... Uh, Tyrock comes and he's able to, to battle him again. Uh, he's almost defeated but uses his powers to escape. And then the villain goes away again. So then to, again, once again, with a villain in their midst, they're awful casual about how they just hang out. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to go to bed now. You know, no problem. But then they wake Tyrock to tell him, this was all a test. The first time he came, it was Sunboy pretending to be him, and the second time it was Superboy. So they were testing him to see if he, you know, that was the final thing to, for him to truly be a member of the Legion was to pass this test, which just seems like really dicky to me, but that's besides well, the point. Yeah, but we'll get to that when so we finish the synopsis. <laughs> while, while they're uh, while they're talking, the uh, Zoraz comes back, and it's uh, Absorbency Lad in the costume, and he... Uh, he challenges uh, Tyrock to a battle and uh, Tyrock basically takes him out pretty quickly because absorbency Lad can steal other people's powers and he's got Superboy super hearing and he doesn't know how to modulate it. So when Tyrock uses his screaming power, he just kind of knocks him out uh, by, you know, screaming at a high pitched sound that so high pitch that nobody but he, him can hear it. And then while he's, Writhing in pain, he gives him a chop right to the throat and knocks him out. And then Tyrock is welcomed into the league. Yay. Yay. And that's the end of our story. It reminds me, a couple of months ago, we covered an issue of uh, Justice League, where they were testing Black Lightning to see if he was good enough to be in the league. And they dressed, uh, it was, I think, Green Arrow, Zatanna, and somebody else dressed up as these weird villains. (gasps) And, and faced off against him, uh, and he defeated them. And then they were like, "Okay, you're good enough to be in." And I thought that was Dicky too. And ultimately, he was like, "No, no, no. I, I you know, thanks, for, thanks, but no thanks because I want to stay here in you know my neighborhood and take care of crime here. I don't want to be a member of your league." I don't.
0: I don't think I've. I never read that issue, but I think I know that cover because I think I've seen ads for that plenty of times. Yeah, it's yeah. like Superman saying, "You want to be in Justice League?" He's like, "With those jive turkeys?"
1: That's exactly the one.
0: Oh, I've never read that one well, if you'd like to, you could listen to our coverage of it. <laughs> oh, I will at some point when I catch up. I think the last one episode I listened to was the one where you guys were doing the uh you were you were down here in Florida you were doing the Marvel superheroes uh cartoon
1: Oh that was yeah we, our uh mostly sober effort to, <laughs> to do those. <laughs> I don't remember how far back we covered. It's a couple.
0: It's like that's a couple months ago, but I'm at least a couple months back. Okay, on yeah.
1: This this one that uh, that I'm talking about did come out after that. We did it on uh, it was uh, episode 308 on uh, December 16th that was posted. So you're a few months behind us. Okay. Yeah. So I'll be up to that one soon. All right, Well, I appreciate I appreciate you trying to be up to it. I'm
0: not caught up on every I just I just accept the fact that I'm not gonna be caught up on anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I think there does come a time sometimes where you gotta say, you know what, I gotta pick the ones I really want to listen to because I can't listen to every single one of anything. But whatever the case may be, I think you should listen to every episode of Back to the Bins.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that, that I was gonna say, okay, glad you went that way. I was gonna say otherwise, you know, don't be promoting on your show. Don't listen to us, it's okay.
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to say that.
0: Good, 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 good. I understand when
1: people can't, but I don't encourage them not to. Anyways, what would you think of this one? Well, this was fun.
0: Um, of course, it, it was definitely a bit of a throwback to early Legion stories, where they like to play tricks on everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to dress up like the villain. I mean, I could again, a bit like, last time, like last, the other issue, I can see a bit of their point, but I... Don't think they did it right. You know, I mean, they kind of just had him attack once or twice, and that was it. It's like you already had an adventure with Tyrock where he fought people. You know, he can how he can handle himself in that. If you really wanted to be a stress test, like they said, you know, go off into space and have like you know have him think the other members are dead. You know, mm. Then see how he reacts. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he was still on base. He's still a Superboy and Cosmic Boy, and some boy, you know, and some boy backing him up. It really wasn't, you know, even though they said you're the only one that, you know, can really take this guy out because he has access to our DNA and was able to research us and know how to defeat our power, you know, deal with our powers. He's still a backup. He's still people to talk to. He wasn't on his own.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, but they did kind of say, oh, we can't do anything with him. It's all up to you. You have to protect us, Tyrock. Cause, because that's how we would really react if this was real. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, this, this is almost the opposite of the uh, Star Wars book in that when I read this, I think the story is kind of silly, but I really like the artwork.
0: Oh, well, that's a different story, yeah. I mean, the Grell work.
1: Well, I was, I was liking Grill very much. I think he's very similar in a lot of ways to Neil Adams. Not quite as dynamic, but his facial drawings and, and such are very, very similar. Yeah.
0: And you could tell this is early in his career. I mean he's putting his all into these. I mean, I'm looking at that um what is it? One, two, three, basically page four, that first panel with a close up on Brainiac five. Let me turn to that. Hang on. Page. It's the page where Tyrock teleports in. Oh yeah. Yeah, you could tell he spent time on that. Yes. Yeah, that wasn't just a quick sketch.
1: Yeah. And I'm pretty yeah. sure he inked himself in this book. Not surprising. So, yeah, so I mean the work uh, the artwork is gorgeous. I think I think Mike Grell had a good ability to draw teenagers that looked like teenagers to me. They don't look like they don't look like adults to me, but they look older. Like and and by teenager I mean, you know, somewhere between say 18 and 22. Yeah, so I know really not teenagers, but young adults.
0: Yeah, because uh, what is it uh, two pages and so six that pa- the, again close up of Tyrock. I'm looking at that, going, yeah, that he's not a grown up. He's like 18, year- he's like 17 years old. He looks like a 17 year old there, not just a mini adult.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't like when they when they draw Superboy and he looks like Superman. Only we made him just a little smaller. Exactly. It's
0: like that, yeah. Well, from what
1: I've heard, drawing you know kids and younger isn't always easy. No, I I don't think it is. I think it's it's hard to capture the the features that make somebody look younger. If you look, I think he did a really nice job. It's uh, they don't have numbers on the actual pages, but uh, page fifteen of the scan, uh, when they have the reveal that Superboy had been in the costume. Yeah, if you look at his face there, Superboy's face, he looks like he looks about sixteen years old. Exactly. He, he doesn't look like grown-up Superman. That would be a different. That would look different. Yeah, the shape of his face is different. His hair is different. I think it's a it's a really nice job by by Grell to to capture that. And I think he does a nice job with certain aspects of it. If you go to the uh, the very next page when uh, when Zoraz shows up again. That shot of him from behind with Tyrock and Brainiac, much yeah. smaller. I, I really like that angle in that shot. That's that's dynamic in the way that I was saying. He doesn't always get as dynamic as Neil Adams. I think that is. Also, the way he kind of he makes the panel fit to the picture.
0: Oh, yeah, where the, that panel is actually bigger than the other ones, and the panel below it actually is smaller than the other ones on its To line. make room for it, yeah. Which yeah. is something similar when Zora's first shows up. In that first panel, actually, the well, the only downside I can say is the first panel where Zora shows up back early in the book was it so like page five, or six?
1: Page five, I think, is six.
0: I actually, for second thought, he was a giant.
1: Oh yeah, cause because the way because the way it, it bleeds into the panel below it. Yeah, and he's stepping into the next panel. Yeah, I like when they do that. I I think that that creates a dynamic effect.
0: Yeah, actually that whole page even, because you have like panels in
1: panels. Yeah, same thing on the next page. Uh, the top panel has – you have the panel and then you have a smaller panel right inside of it. So his sense
0: of – I saw apparently he had a pretty good sense of layout early on, you know, pretty early on in his
1: career. Yeah, which again kind of goes – that to me, that's very similar to Neil Adams. You go to the next page after that, there's the, Tyrock is like dropping down to his knees. And his knees actually bleed into the panel below it. Yeah. Uh, And then you get this this close-up of his mouth within the panel of a full body shot. There's there's a lot of stuff like that. And I think think that takes a lot of thought. Not only does it take a lot of thought, but I think it's real easy to screw that up. And I don't think he screws it up at all here. I think if you overuse it or if you use it without having it well thought out, it could be confusing.
0: Well, yeah, and he's using that for, like, the action pages. Because if you notice, the next page on, when the battle's over, those are just very traditional panels. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, sure, at the end, he has, like, a a horizontal panel and then two vertical, sorry, a vertical panel and then two horizontals for the last row. But it's still just panel, panel, panel.
1: Yeah, they don't bleed into each other.
0: Exactly. That's for the fight.
1: That's for the action. And it does create a more dynamic and a quicker pace to it. So, yeah I think I think it's very very well done on the artwork the story is not bad but I don't think it's particularly clever it's you know it's okay. mostly yeah it's mostly like a Silver Age Legion story kind of
0: yeah it's like a throwback one it's you know we're gonna have the legion you know pretend to be the ba- you know pretend to be a villain except in this one it, you know there actually is a real villain so to speak
1: and and he, and he lays that out at the very beginning and then brings it back at the end which is kind of nice too
0: yeah, they do see that in there because you see him hiding. And I was actually wondering where they were going with it when they, when they do the reveal. I'm like, but who's that guy hiding in the hiding in the vents? Yeah. You know, they do that reveal. I was like, oh, okay. And, I mean, if you look at it, you can kind of see what they're doing, you know, how they're – even though they don't show it overtly, you can kind of see how they're uh, – either the characters who are pretending to be the villain or how the, the Legionnaires are – Pretending to use their, own, you know, have their powers used against them.
1: Yeah, like I, see, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like after you're done reading it, you look back and you're like, oh, that's what they were doing. Yeah, which is kind of cool. I like but that. You know, it's not all just obvious from the from the start. Yeah, but there's also a couple cool
0: things about this issue. For one thing, um, if you've read any any of the recent Legion stuff, like that when Paul Levitz came back, the new Fifty Two stuff, or uh, the. Uh, what was it called? Uh, the Final Crisis uh, Legion miniseries. I don't think I did read that. Legion of Three Worlds. They had it introduced, or even the um, even the Legion series and Action Comics, Superman and the Legion of Superheroes. Right. If you read oh, yeah, that okay, one, I did read that. The villain, Earthman? And I don't remember him, but okay, keep going. Okay. <laughs> the, the premise of the story was that Earth, uh, the, this guy Earthman formed the New Justice League, but it was like an you know they were evil and bigots basically. Earthman is Absorbency Boy. Yeah. Okay. That's it. that's uh, no. It actually, I mean uh, that is. Oh, him. it that's actually so is him. Thing. It is him. Okay. okay. I thought you were saying, saying it was the top. same.
1: I thought you said initially. I thought you were saying this is just the same type of. Uh, no, it's the same character.
0: Thing. Oh, that's they brought cool. him back as that major villain. That's cool. I love callbacks like that. So, oh no, this issue is a lot of that because besides that, the, well, my well, for one thing, the clone banks. I like. I love the line. Someday we hope
1: people will clone Legionnaire replacements. We go, I, it doesn't matter who dies. And I like the way they explain what a clone is and everything, just, you know, in case you have younger readers, which at this time you would expect to, you know, just to kind of give them a little bit of insight so that they're not reading it and saying, what the hell are they talking about?
0: Yeah, but um, in the in the 90s, they did a story um, when they had the Legion as more adultish. When Keith Giffen was doing the book, it's called the Five Year Later Run, and they were all in like the 30s, and all of a sudden they introduced a group of young legionnaires that looked like they were still in their teenage years.
1: And they were clones?
0: Yeah, and basically were, that was one of the theories that they were clones taken from like one of these clone banks that they were talking about here.
1: So this, this issue is, well, well uh, it feels, it feels like a one and done, done, but it's uh, seeding, seeding a lot of different things here.
0: Well, yeah, I'm wondering if this is where the uh, idea for that came from. Plus, yeah, Infectious Lads does become a member of the Legion of Substitute
1: Heroes. I just find that whole, the whole concept of Infectious Lads to be amusing. Oh, in
0: fact, in that year in that run from Keith Giffen, which was wiped away in Zero Hour, but in that Rudge, uh, you know, the second Invisible Kid, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she marries him.
1: Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> I may have to explore some of that at some point.
0: But, yeah, so this was a fun one. I'm like, oh, like, oh, that's Absorbency Boy. Oh, wait, that's Earthman.
1: Okay, yeah, I did not
0: know that at all until you told me. This was a lot of fun. I had a chance to read this one, and even if the story isn't the greatest, the fact is, the Mike, any Legion book by Mark Grell is worth it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with that, too. And I guess on that, we'll rate this one. Okay. Um, I think the cover is solid, but it's not, you know, like it's, it doesn't stand out as being like one of the greats or anything like that. So I'm going to give it a B. I think it it catches the eye. It's good. It's it's very good. You know, it's better than average, but it's not, you know, not, not, you know, top of the line. The story is kind of fun. Like you said, it kind of feels a little silver agey. I think it could have been a little bit more sophisticated than it is, uh, I'm going to give it a B minus, but I think it's, it's, you know, it's good. It just could have been a little better. Uh, and the interior artwork I think is really, really good. It's not quite the best of Micrell, but it's solid Micrell. So I'm going to say an A minus on the uh, interior artwork. And overall, I'm going to, I'm going to give the book a solid B. Okay. That
0: works uh let's see for me cover again yeah i mean you're right on that i mean it it's it's okay and thinking about it like on the newsstand back then most of the stuff really is above you know that you're gonna that you're gonna see as you're just walking through looking through is above the uh where the artwork is anyway so pulling uh, pulling it out there really is probably not gonna attract anybody other than legion readers Hmm. You know, I don't. I, I think like if you know, you're you're re- basically gonna be looking for Superboy and the Legion already or not. So there's really nothing spectacular about the cover. It's decent, but pretty much all the work from Mike Rell on the inside is better than this one, I think. So I'm actually I'm, I'm gonna go a little lower and give this one a C plus. Uh, the in uh the story itself. It's a decent Silver Age story, and they did add a few things to update it, like I said, like having the actually be a villain instead of it just always being the Legionnaires in disguise and having a big laugh at the end. But there were some holes with that, and I just expected a bit more from Carrie Bates than just like kind of like copying a Silver Age story. When this is not even like 72 or 73, this is 79.
1: No, 76.
0: Oh, 76. Oh, that's right. I'm, was
1: 70.
0: I'm mixing them up. Okay, maybe it's the middle of the Bronze Age. Not that they knew they were in the Bronze Age, but still not as far away as I thought it was, but still a little further away. Uh, story, uh, I'm going to go for B-, because at least it's decently done. And the art, i uh, going to... I, uh, I have trouble judging Mark Grell artwork from the... Legion, because I love that so much. I'm going to just go for straight-up standard A. So I think overall, probably works out to be about a B plus.
1: Okay, there you go. So we, we kind of fell in the same place, or very close to it, on both books.
0: And uh, this was fun. Yeah. I, one thing I just realized, I did like the fact that they at least were attempting because his power sound, which is hard to do on comics. I mean, they even comment on that in the issue itself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: when they show pictures of him to the other members he says yeah although no sound accompanies this photo scan yes <laughs> like, yeah because nothing well it's kind of like banshee in the x-men exactly but i like that at least it looked like they were attempting to do a limit on his powers and not just make it be anything they want because every time he does certain things it's the same word balloon. So like the O, Y, and a bunch of U's, that's the teleport yell. And when he does the
1: R, that always seems to be the exploding yell. But I think I think they do, because they, they, I think they can't legitimately expect anybody to memorize these things. So they do have to explain after each time they do it what he's doing. So I think that yeah, makes him a hard character to write, just because you always have to add so much exposition into it. Exactly, and
0: that's probably one of the reasons. I'm sure it's one of the reasons why he got written out pretty quickly. He doesn't really appear very much in the Legion back then. Mm-hmm. I think he got way more action in the New Fifty Two series than he did
1: combined before. That's you could be right. I didn't I, like I said. I really didn't read too much of the New Fifty Two one, so I can't even say. Yeah. But this, you know, like I said it was a fun issue. I'm kind of glad that I randomly found this one to to do. Oh um, yeah, so am I. And I'm glad you had the time to come on with me. I'm going to bring this home now cuz it's getting <laughs> we've been on for a while. Uh but oh, I Oh yeah, seven I, o'clock. I appreciate you coming on and uh and on short notice getting a random book after we had already picked out Thanos books. But we will get to the Thanos books soon, and if you're listening to this, you probably already heard that. Yes hopefully so maybe <laughs> thanks again Al. uh you want to tell everybody where they could find you before we
0: cut out sure uh you can find me at resurrections and adam warlock and thanos podcast where we talk about adam warlock and thanos uh just type in adam warlock and really that's what will pop up on uh, podbean stitcher itunes or go to resurrections and i also have a second show if you want to check out uh pop culture palace presents Type that into uh, Google Play, iTunes, whatever. It's kind of like a hodgepodge show where I do. A bun- I have a bunch of other shows that I want to do, and I just don't have time to do them, so I just put them all there. Uh, currently, right now, we have a whole uh, five, six-part series where we're ta- discussing the uh, different eras of comics.
1: All right. I have not experienced that one yet. That's That one's news to me. I'm going to have to check that out. But, uh, again, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk next week in the past. Yes, we, w- we did. <laughs> we
2: will. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Manzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Hey, everybody.
1: What's up? Dr. Bill in the house.